This morning, I want to take my time and speak to you about uh, something that impacts all of us uh, through our life, as well as the impact that we'll have on our future generations. One of the trendy words of this age is the word tolerance. Would you say that word with me? Tolerance. tolerance. The word tolerant means to be liberal, broad-minded, willing to put up with beliefs opposed to one's convictions. It's the allowance of something not wholly approved, uh, but yielding ground uh, on those important issues. Tolerance. Now, I know here this morning that you and I have all tolerated things and put up with things that we probably don't agree with or are in favor of or like. Amen. I don't want you looking next door to your neighbor. That's not, just keep your eyes on yourself. But we've all tolerated issues, whether it's at work, you tolerate your boss, you tolerate the job, you tolerate the drive to work, you tolerate how much gas costs, you tolerate, 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 right? That we've all had to tolerate things and issues, even important things. Nancy and I have issues that we have to tolerate each other with about important critical issues such as uh, ice cream flavors. <laughs> now, I tolerate and I put up with Sister Nancy loving vanilla ice cream. That's not a flavor to me. It doesn't even count as a flavor. With the zillions of flavors out there, I tolerate her ordering vanilla. In fact, I've even ordered it for her. That's how much I tolerate and put up with vanilla ice cream. Everybody, everyone has a right to their opinion and the ability to voice that opinion. But when tolerance is a not a bad thing and is also something that we all have to deal with in our lives in general, when it comes to the issue of spiritual aspects and moral significance concerning the things of God, then it can have a devastating impact. It can be detrimental. There's a sign on the Berlin Wall after it was uh, pulled down and the section was left that read this. The tragedy of this wall is not that it was built, but that we grew accustomed to it. In other words, they sat back as that wall, a society as it was being built, tolerated it uh, and allowed it to become the status quo. This morning, I want to get your attention, and I want you to listen to me and what I have to say concerning God's Word and truth versus tolerance. Simply because tolerance in moral issues has made much of Christianity soft, flabby, lacking conviction, which has become come to a place where truth and morality no longer really matters. My intent this morning is to bring clarity, to bring instruction, understanding, 
about who you and I are called to be as Christians, men and women of God in a society who has, for the most part, lost the the understanding of truth and morality. Someone said, if you're easily swayed by man's opinions and by what is popular, you should do anything but preach the Word of God. And I agree with that, so this morning I'm going to preach the Word of God. And what I want to do is to bring insight, understanding concerning uh, the Word of God and how it stands uh, between uh, tolerance uh, versus uh, truth. Listen to the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7 and in verse 13. Jesus says, enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. The gate is large and the road is wide that leads to death and hell. Many people go that way, but the gate is small and the road is narrow that lead to life. And only a few few people find it. It. So it sounds to me this morning as I read the words of Jesus that he was being very clear about right versus wrong, spiritual death versus spiritual life, death and hell. And the way to achieve either of those, uh, depending on your goal in life, he made very, very clear. And you see, this morning, too often Christian beliefs... Uh, are said to be a matter of faith and not a matter of fact or truth. And as a result, Christians, you and I, are told uh, that uh, tolerance in society must override uh, the truth uh, from the Word of God. And so what you and I need to do is uh, meet the challenge of what God's Word says versus uh, what society says. And if we're going to meet that challenge of making sure that we stand morally correct in a society that is morally bankrupt, then we need to understand and build our lives upon the Word of God, which is the foundation for all truth and uh, for all moral excellence. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist writes in chapter 89 and in verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. And so what the psalmist is speaking about are the foundations of the kingdom of heaven of the righteousness of God and the foundations of God's kingdom. And I'm going to take a look this morning at a couple of those foundations, how that impacts you and I, our families, and those who are going to follow behind us, our children. It is very, very critical this morning. The first foundation that I want to look with you at this morning 
is the foundation of truth. Would you say that word with me? Truth. Truth is critical. Tolerance this morning, as I used that illustration about ice cream, when it comes to different tastes concerning desserts, that's acceptable. That is okay. When it comes to different flavors of ice cream, different, different uh, uh, likes and dislikes about movies or films or colors or, or et cetera and so on, those are opinions and those are acceptable and it's okay. But what about when it comes to the truth, uh, not about dessert, but what about when it comes to the truth about numbers? For instance, if I say, Two and two equals four, but then someone else says, no, it doesn't. It equals seven. Am I supposed to tolerate that? Is that something that I'm supposed to allow to become truth? Well, it's obvious, of course not, because it's not truth. Uh, it's a lie. You see, this morning, truth overrides preference. Nancy might have a preference but for vanilla, but the truth is uh, pralines and cream is the better ice cream. You see, this morning, the Word of God is uh, the ultimate truth for you and I in a society that is lacking truth. The psalmist says in chapter 31 and in verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. You see, this morning, we need to get it into our, the hard drive of our thinking and uh, of, of what we know is truth, that God's word has to be and must be the foundation for sanctification, for holiness, and for moral excellence. It must be the standard, as they say, the gold standard uh, that we base excellence and uh, morality and truth upon. It's God's word in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 16... Scripture says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Righteousness, what is that? Righteousness can be defined as a morally acceptable life style. Morally acceptable life style. Now, remember, when it comes to moral excellence and righteousness, we need to understand that it must be based upon God's standard and God's word. And so when we understand that righteousness is defined as a morally acceptable lifestyle, that lifestyle begins with acknowledging God's word as absolute truth. And when I live my life according to God's word, 
then I'm living my life according to truth. Despite what the world says is morally correct. Despite what society says is morally correct. I'm living my life by what God says is morally correct. That's the standard that we need to live our lives by. And then this is where the confusion comes in uh, and uh, where now tolerance becomes an issue that we have to deal with as Christians concerning absolute truth. The example in the Gospel of John in chapter 18, as Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, Pilate asks a very, very important question to Jesus. And I want you to listen to what Pilate speaks to Jesus about. And in verse 37, John chapter 18, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say correctly or rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Now, Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now listen to Pilate's response. Very interesting. Pilate then said to him, what is truth? And when Jesus had said this, he went out, Pilate, again to the Jews, and said, I find no fault in him at all. It's interesting that Pilate wanted to know where Jesus' truth came from and what made his truth reliable. Was Pilate interested in hearing what Jesus had to say? Well, according to the scripture, no, he wasn't because the Bible says as soon as Jesus began to answer, he went out and left because he didn't want to hear the truth that comes from God. He was so accustomed to hearing truth that came from all the philosophers of his day and age and from all the different religions that were there concerning what they said truth was. And what Jesus was saying to Pilate that Pilate didn't want to hear was that without the acknowledgement of God, who is the source of all truth, there is no such thing as truth. Put that into your thinking this morning. Without the acknowledgement of God in your life, who is the source of all truth, there cannot be any such thing as truth. You see, in those days, in Pilate's days, there were so many different variations of what truth is and what people say truth was. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, we have the account of the apostle Paul. And he comes to a place in a hill that's called Mars Hill. And on that hill, 
there were many, many different statues of gods that were set up in different faiths and beliefs. In fact, there were people who were praying to a god with a name inscribed to the unknown God. And so this is the time that Pilate was living in, that Jesus was living in, that there were so many variations of what truth was uh, that when Jesus was trying to tell Pilate, he didn't want to hear it, and he walked out. In Judges chapter 17 and in verse 6, gives to you and I what happens when we reject the truth of God's word. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, uh, there were no set uh, uh, rules uh, to live by. There were no edicts uh, that the king, which was usually godly in those days, uh, to lay down the truth of God's word. Uh, and so consequently, everybody did what they felt was right in their own eyes. I want to tell you this morning, this is where our society is uh, today. We're no longer being governed uh, by Judeo-Christian values that our country was founded upon and uh, that was built upon, but now it is founded upon whatever is right in a person's eyes and what they feel they want truth to be is. They say to you and I as Christians that God's word is no longer relevant for our time for this day in age, and that they are outdated. We need to understand this morning uh, that that kind of mindset cannot be tolerated uh, because truth without God as the absolute is no truth uh, at all. And this morning, uh, those that say that our truths, uh, according to the word of God, is outdated, uh, need to understand that one day they will have to stand before Jesus Christ. Uh, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because Jesus is truth this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and uh, the life. All truth comes from him and is established upon him and his word and instruction for life. He represents the absolute standard from which all truth flows. He gives us his Holy Spirit, who the Bible says uh, can lead us into all truth truth. That's why it's good uh, that we are born again, spirit-filled men and women of God, because it is the Holy Spirit that will lead us uh, to decide right from wrong. And when people say, well, I didn't know, come on now. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. In John chapter 17, and in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified. So let me just say this to you this morning. If you're trying to be righteous uh, and, 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 and achieve righteousness by yourself, forget it. It ain't going to happen. You can't do it. I can't do it. Our righteousness comes uh, by the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life. The Bible says he became sin for us uh, that what? We might become righteous. And it's in his righteousness that we are righteous. And so he says, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free, is what the scripture says. And so we are sanctified, made right before the eyes of God by his word, not by anything we can do. The second foundation that we need to look at is the foundation of virtue. Virtue. Say that word with me, virtue. It's kind of lost its way in our day and age. The Greek definition of virtue speaks about a way of thinking, of feeling, or action that leads to moral rightness, goodness, or or, or correct living. That's what virtue signifies. Webster's Dictionary defines virtue as conformity to a standard of right, of moral excellence. In other words, virtuous has to do with a lifestyle, a way of living. And so the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 31. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or, or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything, I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So in chapter 10, in verse 31, and chapter 11, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says that we as Christians need to strive for virtue or moral excellence that will reflect to other people around us the truth and the moral rightness of God's word. In a society that is without moral values and that has no real moral foundation. It's up to you and I to be that example as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ's example. In Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 15, Paul writes and says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst, now listen, of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you must shine as lights 
in the world. Shine as lights in the world. In other words, uh, our, our lifestyle should reflect Jesus Christ uh, to a world in a crooked and perverse lifestyle. We need to be the difference uh, that people can see and want uh, to bring into their own lives. We are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So, I want to close this morning with how these two foundations, tolerance, the issue of that, truth of God's word and uh, virtue impacts and affects our future generation. Your children, my children and grandchildren, your grandchildren, their children, if the Lord tarries. See, our children are growing up in the 21st century culture. The Bible tells us that children are a heritage and a blessing from the Lord. How many parents can say amen? Kids are looking over at their parents and smiling right now. You see, this morning, parent, if you're living according to the Word of God, you realize that children are a heritage, a legacy, and a blessing from the Lord, and we thank God for them. We thank God for God's grace upon us and uh, the privilege of being stewards uh, over those beautiful children. And this morning, these children are being raised in the culture of a 21st century. And what is that culture? If we're to raise godly children who will grow up to be mature adults, growing and abounding in moral excellence with a godly foundation, then the Word of God, the truth of God, the values of God, and the virtue of God must be a foundation that is built into their lives. It must be a foundation for their upbringing as children into their adulthood. Now, I'm going to get into some things that I know will maybe displease some folks, but again, as I said, I am a preacher, and I need to preach the Word of God. And so I start off by saying, those who are educators and who are godly and who are born again and who love God and you're doing your best as educators to try to, to, to guide those children, uh, then God bless you. And this is not reflect, a reflection upon you, but it is a reflection upon the system that you might possibly have to work in. Amen. Today, our youth are facing a crisis of truth and virtue. Truth and virtue have become a matter of taste, of preference, 
and what everybody else is doing. Truth and virtue has become what TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter says what it is. The question that we have to ask is that what has gone wrong and why is this the case? Well, we know, and I'm preaching to the choir here this morning, that God has been legislated out of our school systems and out of many areas of our society. Truth, moral correction, and virtue has become whatever is convenient, popular, and whatever the teacher says it is. Today, we're hearing so much discussion about disinformation and uh, establishing uh, uh, foundations about how to, to distinguish truth from disinformation, which can go on and begin to affect every aspect of society when it comes to freedom of speech. It's not a road we really want to go down. But yet, we've come to a place in our society where now we have to have governing boards set up in our government system to determine truth versus disinformation or false, uh, false uh, thoughts. And so in saying that, parents, we need to remember that when we send our children out the front door of our homes to go to school, for the most part they're going to a place where there's drugs that run freely and where most teenagers are sexually active in one way or another by the age of 15. That is what our society has come to. I read uh, in, a, in, in an article where in the early 50s, the three main things that uh, parents need to worry about what was going on in school was running in the hallways, chewing gum in class, uh, and, and being tardy for class. My, how things have changed. These children spend six to seven hours with adults in those school systems most of whom don't have the same values, moral character, and concerns that you as a parent have for your child. They will teach them that there is no such thing as safe sex, or that there is such a thing as safe sex before marriage. They will teach them how to use a condom before they're old enough to apply for their driver's permit. They will teach them that they don't have to tell their parents everything that goes on in their lives and that it's okay to keep secrets from them. They will tell them that if they want to be a girl instead of a boy or a boy instead of a girl, that's perfectly okay and normal. They will teach them that abortion is just another method of birth control. This is what is going on in our public school system. 
And as men and women of God, spirit-filled Christians, we have to have concern about uh, those issues that are being uh, poured upon our children in the 21st century. In Isaiah chapter 5 and in verse 20, Isaiah writes and says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now I understand the issues involved when it comes to public education. For the most part, we think it's free, but I guarantee you it's not free. You're paying taxes for it, and uh, you, know, you pay for your child to go to that school, so it's not free. People say, well, it costs too much, and I can't afford to have my child in a private school. But I have to come back and ask the, the question, you know, uh, during the COVID, and, and I'm sorry to kind of belay this, but during COVID, in the, in the high, high parts of COVID, and I've mentioned this before, that most everything in, in this church, uh, the health department was wanting to shut down, coming to church, being in church, etc., and so on. And so those of you who were here at that time, you understand all the different gyrations we had to go through to make sure we continue to have church and to keep things moving, especially with our school. And the health department came, and we had our tent set up, and we had our school moved outside, and yet the health department came and still gave us fines of 500 bucks every time they came, and they fined us just to try to get us to stop having school for our children. And I told the teachers, and I told you as a church, I said, I place more value on our children than $500. One child is worth more than $500, and so if we have to pay the fine, we're going to pay the fine. And we made it through, and we paid the fines. I say that to say this. Parent, I want you to think about the value of your child and what that child's value is worth and the future of their life when it comes to paying for them to go to a, another school where they will not be transformed into a 21st century uh, whatever you want to call it versus a, a man or a woman of God. This is something that we as parents and guardians uh, have to choose from. Over one million children are murdered every year. Two million children every year are so abused by their parents that they have to be removed from their homes by the state. 20,000 children in this country every year are dying from child abuse. It's tragic. They're burned, they're drowned, they're poisoned, they're stabbed, they're shot, they're beaten, thrown out of windows, left to die in trash cans and plastic bags the same way you would throw out trash. That's the society we live in. That's what people call virtue. That's what people call moral excellence. That's what people in this society call truth. That's what many children are being taught. What does God have to say about it? Matthew chapter 18, in verse 5, Jesus says, And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... 
It would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. God will deal with those who hurt his children. And God says that children are special and they are gifts from God. They're to be loved, nurtured, trained, disciplined, and protected. And we live in a day and age in the 21st century where society says uh, children don't belong to the parent, but they belong to the educators. I want to tell you, that's a, pit, a life in the pit of hell. God gave them to you to raise. God gave them to you to build them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so the foundation of truth, moral correctness, and virtue must be established as a foundation in their lives. And that foundation comes by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. As our ministry, music ministry, makes their way this morning, until we as a nation and the people of God stand up and refuse to tolerate the things that have been tolerated by many. Until we stand up and say, no more. We're not going to tolerate this any longer. Until we bring and insist that prayer does come back into school systems, into our governmental systems. They'll continue to be a nightmare and a breeding ground for destruction and deception. Every parent here has choices when it comes to their children. When Nancy and I went to be missionaries in England, we had two, we had two children. They were in public school they were young, five, six years old, kindergarten or nursery. And when we moved to, to England, we decided we were going to homeschool them. And my wife looked into what it, what, what it meant to be to homeschool, Christian homeschool. And that was the beginning, the foundation for New Harvest Christian School back in 1984. <laughs> We decided that we weren't going to allow our children, even though we weren't going to be here in the United States, to be taught by a secular society, excluding God's word and God's principles. We wanted to do something, we decided to do something about it. And we paid the price to do that, the cost financially, personally, to do that. Every parent today has choices when it comes to their children. Either I'm going to raise my child by the law of the jungle, or I'm going to raise them by the law of God. We have to make that choice. Joshua made that choice when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so before we can make any great decisions, we have to determine what is absolute. 
versus what is tolerable. Yes, tolerating is good. There are things that we'll tolerate. As First Peter says, when we deal with other people who believe their faiths are the, the faith, the real faith, that's, that's your opinion. That's up to you. But I don't have to succumb to that, and I don't have to uh, give in to that. That's your picture of what truth is, but mine is based upon God's Word. And this is what God's Word says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, you and I need to come back to the absolutes of biblical authority and recognize that God is the source through His Son, Jesus Christ, of all virtue, moral correctness, and truth. Deuteronomy, as I close with this scripture, chapter 32 and verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. As we bow our heads before the Lord this morning,